mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? No. <laughs> Welcome back to Digging Up the Duggers. <laughs> Gave an intro this time. Wow. Said where people are in case they're lost. Mm-hmm. So we're on episode 46, and this is the Truit episode. Truit. Okay. Truit is Jed's first child. Okay. Jed, Jed, um... Artist? Missionary Jed, missionary Jed, okay. the Jed Jed, the real Jed, the OJ, if the you OJ. will. Yeah, if that was you the will. joke I was going to make. <laughs> yeah, if you will. <laughs> so, yeah, that's his first. Okay. But before we get into recapping, I do have some orders of business here. I have a list. Okay. What I was going to do was go like this. Oh. Call to order. So, first order of business is shiny happy. So, today's the 29th as yep. we're recording. Mm-hmm. So the shiny happy people Amazon Prime docu series mm-hmm. about the Duggars and IBLP um, that happens this week on the second. Yeah. So just wanted to acknowledge that. I'm I'm really just not sure what to expect at this point. I figure I'll just go in with low expectations, so I won't be disappointed. Yeah. And if it turns out really in depth and really great, great. Mm-hmm. I I like you know whatever. But you know lo- as we always say. Low expectations are the the key to a happy life, right? The the key to happiness is really just setting the bar real low. It works for us. It worked for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's working out great. I read between the lines. Yep. So I just don't really know what this means for us as far as covering it. Kind of like I said, it just feels weird because I feel like I normally like have a base idea of what I'm going to do next week. Correct. Because believe it or not, I mean, like I get done recording an episode, I'm kind of like... I'm moving into the next one kind of right away. Mm. I'm really at the standstill. I have no fucking clue what next week is going to look like. Am I going to cover this at all? Am I going to cover it in depth? Am I going to just pick another topic and cover another? I have no idea. So it's just I'm kind of in a weird spot where this week I feel like I have no direction. Right. When normally I have the second we're done recording this, I kind of have a direction for the next mm-hmm. one. So I'm just in a weird spot. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh, I did have a little bit of a story about okay. another instance I had this week where I feel like if I was a Duggar or Gil Bates, people would say it was God intervening. <laughs> so last week I told the story about the McDonald's Barbies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this week I hadn't done it in a while. So I left it up to a poll on my vintage page for people to decide what the drop theme for next week would be. Correct. So I gave two options. It was vintage toys or mugs. Mugs started winning very quickly. It, it won overall anyway. When I voted, it was like 80-something percent or something like that. Well, it's like a 60-something now, like mm. a 63. 
at the final. But when it started, I was like, God damn it. Like I had, I have enough for a drop. Otherwise I wouldn't put it up to a vote. But I know it sounds silly, but in the vintage world, there's like a handful of certain mugs that are like the mugs. Okay. (laughs) You're like, you want the, and then, so there was, I got a bunch of them, but there was like this one I've been wanting to find for forever. And I'm like, God, it really sucked to do this drop and not have this mug. Mm Mm-hmm. A couple minutes later, I had to go ship something at UPS. Goodwill's across the street. So I go, and what do you fucking know? I find that mug. <laughs> the exact mug. Wow. I had just been thinking of and have been searching for for forever. And I wow. was like, if I was a Bates, it would be that I didn't tell people my need, and then God gave me this mug. <laughs> Except I didn't pray for it. How does What does that mean? Does God just mm. know if I don't pray for it specifically, if I just Good think question. it? Question. You have to have your hands pressed together. Kneeling. Yeah. Hands pressed together. I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to ask Gil Bates about that one. In Catholicism, I wonder who the patron saint of mugs is. <laughs> I lit a candle before I left for the UPS store. <laughs> so the next uh, order of business, Mildred's birthday and yeah. review <laughs> did go on the gram. We made her a cake and, and us a cake as well. I, I, I bought the Dolly products. I hadn't mm-hmm. bought them yet. So I got the Dolly cake and frosting to make us a cake we could eat. Hers was pate. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. I think ours tasted a little bit better. Hers looked great, though. <laughs> Hers looked better. Right. You know. Uh, so we did that. She had a little celebration. And uh, she did pass her annual review. Yeah, I think we might keep her. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. definitely, you know, we got another year contracted. <laughs> um. Did talk about Aries and so, so she's killing it in being cute, being a producer on this podcast, mm-hmm. being a supervisor in the labeling department of the vintage side. Pest um, control. Pest control. She's about a four out of five. Mm-hmm. She lets a few little carpet beetles and I've seen a cricket go by that she's done nothing about. But for the most part. Doing pretty she's good. She's a highly performing employee. Yes. You can't have fives across the board, you know? It's just mm-hmm. how it is. Yeah. We did talk about her maybe areas of improvement maybe letting mama sleep more than just every two hours she wakes me up about every two to three hours Mm -hmm. maybe letting mama sleep and maybe um letting mama be able to eat a meal in peace just just a couple areas of improvement that's all Mm -hmm. overall very satisfied with her work so oh mildred she she appreciated all the birthday love. Thank you, guys. It was very sweet of you. Some of you even started messaging before I posted anything. I really appreciate it. It's very sweet. Because of Mildred's birthday, hindsight, there's been a lot of singing of Jenny from the Bark this week. Mm. Have, Have we referenced that on here? No, I don't think on here. Okay. It's hard to remember. I, I know I did it as a background music for something of her on Instagram. Okay. But I don't know if the people fully know the story. Okay. When we got her, her name was Jenny. Okay? Mm-hmm. And the rescue was Bark. It was like the... Buckeye Animal Rescue a, yeah. Ken- and Kennel or something. And Kennel, yep. And what they did was we did not get her in Buckeye, which is a, at this point a suburb, but it used to be kind of a little bit outside of town. Um, so I think what they do is when they have animals, then they bring them in. We got her in Avondale. Yeah. Like a little bit farther into town. So, so the joke has always been, remember the old people... People our age will know the old Jennifer Lopez song, Jenny from the Block. Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still, I'm still Jenny from the Block. So we've changed the words and she's Jenny from the Bark. And so I was singing that song a lot this week in honor of her annual review. And there's a funny part in the song where she's like, um, 
no matter where I go, I know where I came from. And then it goes, from the Bronx, because she's from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. So we go, no matter where I go, I know where I came from, from the bark. From the bark. So we've been singing that <laughs> all week long. Oh, man. That is a soundtrack to our lives right now. Yep. I'm, I'm still, still laughing I'm about still it. I'm still Jenny from the bark. <laughs> okay. It's pretty you good. Know- so today's episode that we are recapping is called Do It Yourself Duggers. And it premiered August 4th of 2009. The episode starts with a sort of recap explaining how they always plan to visit the Bates, but that they, they brought the Wilsons along to yep. and surprised them for the remodel, yada yada. So I think we can mark off a Bates square. That's correct. Right from the get-go. From the go. I had high hopes. So Lego talks about how labor is usually about half your building costs. So having lots of hands to help will save them a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And this is the part where I wrote in my notes, cell phone clip. Because, (laughs) but I will say though, I saw it first on a guy that they never, he's in it, but they never introduce him. Okay. I don't know who he is. Probably a subcontractor or somebody. Because there was a lot of people involved in this with that aren't normal folks that are on the show that were just kind of construction-y. Yeah, so some dude. So then we we do later on see, like, Lego with his, but I was, like, mm-hmm. the first guy. I was like, oh, so it's nice that when I saw it, it was somebody else. Yeah. Makes it a little different. So there's a funny little scene of Jackson and Justin playing with shovels with the cement, like, in a wheelbarrow, and Justin takes the shovel away from Jackson and our dancing king loses his ever-loving mind. <laughs> there is like a shrieky scream that mm-hmm. I have never heard out of a Duggar child. So Yep. I enjoyed it. That you hear out of a normal child. But, but not, not a Duggar normally. Yeah. M- Michelle wasn't around. Otherwise, she would smash her face up against his forehead and squisper. And then oh, we'd the get squisper. another square. Because yeah. squispering is a square. But yep. we haven't had that one yet. Mm-mm. Not I feel all. like we got it before we did the bingo card, and now we're not seeing it at all. Yep. So, Lego says that he and Clark will be there for about 10 days, which ends up not being true at all. But he <laughs> says that they'll be there for about 10 days, which should hopefully get them to the point of the foundation, the walls, and the roof, but that it'll probably be a months-long project as a whole. The first talking head of Baby Cannon is with her new hair. <laughs> which we got a glimpse glimpse of in this last episode mm-hmm. but remember that was randomly like in front of a fucking tree right <laughs> this is the real deal white background interview style mm-hmm. but i will say that we do not see her in this episode besides talking heads that's correct she does not appear in actual scenes of any kind the entire time because mm-hmm. i was waiting because you know how i said i've been waiting to be like when does the hair transition right it obviously happens while they're at the Bates, but we haven't seen it yet because the talking head thing is kind of like a later date thing. Mm-hmm. So on the Duggar cam, that's when they're doing shit themselves. Yep. TLC should be paying them. Well, I mean, they had to put it in it. The episode's called Do It Yourself, Duggar. That's true. Good point. We see some of the girls working inside and they're taping off the walls. And Anna says that they're getting ready to prime. Mm-hmm. Michelle says, quote, we teach all of ours to have a hard work ethic. Whether they're girls or boys, it doesn't make any difference. They need to work, be a hard worker. You're just not allowed to do certain things. 
as the girls, but you got to work hard. Oh, you got to work hard. Yeah. yeah. They show scenes of all the kids kind of running around, playing in the dirt and the rocks outside. And uh, inside, if they're inside, they're usually watching videos. <laughs> Hopefully it's none of that silly stuff. No, you can't Jed, have any of that. <laughs> that Jed disapproves of. Yep. I'm really hoping it's nothing silly <laughs> and it's like creationist stuff like you talked about before. Of uh, Yep. Nothing silly. Can't no. have that. Not that wristwatch mouse. <laughs> they show some of the older girls painting doors and the Duggar girls are in their like usual. It's it's Duggars and then Susanna because she's mm. with them as well. They're in their kind of usual jean skirt, even denim jacket combo yeah. outfit that they normally wear. And then Michael Bates, she comes out of the house and in comparison to them, she looks like she's headed off to a fucking 90s prom. <laughs> Did you notice? Yeah. Like, her dress isn't, like, super formal, but next to them, it looks formal. It's weird, because you're just like, are they in the same place? You know, like, those pictures where you see people out, and you're like, oh, all four seasons are in this picture, because, like, one person is wearing, like, a sweater, the other person is wearing a tank top Mm -hmm. and short, you know. It kind of had that feel, but just, like, one's headed to the prom, and one is not. Painting and priming a house. So, they're painting the doors different colors, like, like, the popped out bumped out parts are different colored instead of just making it a one solid color um by the way our townhouse had that and it was ugly (laughs) (laughs) and actually they just listed we've been gone for we've had this house for almost five years Mm. they just barely listed it for sale like they've been renting it this whole time and uh they finally covered that i saw the listing photos (laughs) some of the things in that house were definitely an era oh yeah like you could tell when they when they last redecorated and they also like patched a hole in the door very obviously because it was like puffy and then they just like painted over it and i'm like this is the landlord special if i ever fucking saw one um so they're painting these doors these different colors and tori bates she talks she starts talking some mad shit not about that paint scheme she says quote they're making it yuck colors yuck colors they're doing a million different ones and it's nasty (laughs) Like, she's got some, like... She's not feeling she it. She got toed in this. And Michaela, she's trying to s- smooth it over. And I will say, even to this day, I think that Michaela is a very, like, sweet person. Mm-hmm. So Michaela is like, no, Jana designed it. It will be beautiful. <laughs> I appreciate it, Michaela, but I think Tori's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> so Tori continues, and she says, quote, different colors on a door are just blech. <laughs> and Michaela says, you'll be pleasantly surprised when it's through. And it's even funnier, though, because this whole time that Tori is, like, talking mad shit, mm-hmm. Susanna and Jill just kind of have their heads down, and they're continuing to paint. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah. And at one point, they zoom in on Jill's face, and she has, like, stank face. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can tell she's mad. <laughs> she's trying to, like, not be like, fuck mm-hmm. this bitch. Yep. <laughs> It's really funny, actually. I can't wait to put that in visuals. <laughs> so this episode, as you can imagine, it just has a lot of time spent watching them working on various things. Yeah. They're trenching, they're pouring cement, they're laying cylinder blocks. It's just, and then like the kids are watching them do it. It's just yeah. a lot of watching them, watch them, watch them. <laughs> it's that true. Is. It's very true. There's not a whole lot. It's a lot. watching inception. <laughs> 
I think we get our first real talking head from Jason, if I remember correctly. They interviewed him on his birthday episode, but that was the in-scene talking mm-hmm. to the camera type thing. Correct. Not like sit-down interview style. So I think this might be the first time, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember what he was saying, but just his like what he's saying wasn't important enough for me to like write down quotes. Yep. It was just kind of about like Jim Bob and like how things turn into big projects, like whatever. Yep. But like his facial expressions were funny. Yeah. So the conti- the girls are continuing to work on the bathroom, and now we see Jana cutting tile, mm-hmm. and later we see her laying it. And I will say like like uh Jim Bob is saying Oh, she's been cutting her teeth on tiles since she was little, blah, blah, blah. She is very handy because, oh, yeah. okay. like, she she is very, very handy. And even just this week, for example, on Ginger's um, social media, she was posting about how she came to visit her in California. Mm-hmm. And Ginger was just like, well, I was talking about my dream closet. She's like, within 24 hours, Jana had went and bought lumber and wow. just, like, done, like, the inside of her closet. Mm-hmm. So she is very skilled in that. That's cool. She was working that tile saw, and, like, there's something oddly satisfying about tile when you – because you have to cut it to fit the space perfectly. You know what I mean? And there's, like, a minor, like – a minor, like, I just want to have everything perfectly in its place. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I can appreciate that. So, we see her, like, laying the tile as well later. But here's my question to you. Would you mark this as inappropriate attire? Wearing flip-flops and a dress to cut and lay tile? I mean, technically, yes, because you, you would assume she would be in something else, but I also don't feel like... Do you think it's dangerous to cut with open-toed shoes? Not tile. So we don't mark it? I mean, I wouldn't myself. Okay, I'm asking... I'm just asking questions. <laughs> All right, I just wanted to ask that. So we have very few squares this episode, by the way. Mm-hmm. So we do get one, though. Here we go. We have one for sure. We get a bingo square because John David speaks. Yeah. He's saying that he's putting in flooring in the bathroom that had, like, rotted out wood. Mm-hmm. Let me find my spot. Where am I? It's so funny how even still it's very few and far between that we get some of the... Some of those boys talking. Some of the characters in this show. Yeah. So Kelly explains that they are down from three bathrooms to one bathroom for 55 people. Yeesh. God. Like, think of the shits being taken in that one toilet. <laughs> you know, like there couldn't, there's got to be a shit being taken. Well, they said, they said pretty much in the hours that they're awake, there's somebody in there at all times. That's insanity. Yeah. But it's not at the same time. It's 55 fucking people using yeah. one bathroom. Like, when we just host Christmas over here, I'm like, uh, 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 you know, because yeah. <laughs> can you and, imagine? And they they talk about how the because the bus isn't moving and because they don't have like um, they don't have like gray water set up for them to like put it straight in there. They're like the bus is full. Oh, did you? Is that what you got? So Nathan Bates was talking about it. He said yeah. that a part needed to be fixed. I thought he was saying that the bus was full. He literally said that, yes, it was full, but that they had a part that was broken, and until they fixed it, they couldn't pump it out. Interesting. 
Okay. So yeah, something was actually broken. Yeah. It wasn't just that they need they needed to go somewhere like to even yeah. be able to do that. They needed to mm. fix something. So they were like extra up shit creek. Merp. Look at you. Merp, merp. I see what you did there. Shit creek. That's pretty funny. That came to me right now, and I think it's funny. Um, but I will say, like, so with everybody shitting in that one toilet, this was pre poopery. That's true. Poopery. If you've not used poopery, it is amazing. <laughs> Anytime I have people over, I put it out. Anytime we go somewhere, mm-hmm. I take it with. Like we were staying at someone's house, I take it. Yep. If you don't know what it is, you spray it on the surface of the water Hashtag in the toilet. Not an ad. Should be an ad. Hashtag and actually, the lady that invented it, she's cool as shit. Susie Patiz, she's very cool. So Susie. Susie, holla at your you listen to Susie, holla at your girl. Okay, so Susie Patiz, and now there's like knockoffs, but she was the first. Oh, yeah. So you spray the water of the Mm -hmm. toilet and it creates a film over the top so then when you shit it like slices into that film and it goes into the water and then it closes up over it yeah so it holds in the smell so that's the intention for how it works in the toilet but i will say it works just wonderfully as a air freshener do you remember on that plane ride (laughs) yeah we went on a trip to Uh... seattle with my sister and brother-in-law we got stuck on the tarmac for what an hour and a half Mm mm-hmm not being able to move, they were doing something. Yep. Someone took a gigantic yep. dump while we were just sitting there, mm-hmm. and the smell just started filling the yeah. entire <laughs> plane. It was just, it was like, did you eat meatloaf uh. or like some other like highly seasoned meat? Like it was like meaty and like, you know, there was a certain stink to it, and. It was it was so disgusting. I had poopery in my bag mm-hmm. and I took it out and I just started, I sprayed it into the air just around us. Mm-hmm. It did, it fucking did it. Literally somebody yelled. Do you remember? Somebody yelled, whoever did that. Thank you. Yeah. And I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> so just so you know, poopery is the shit. Merp. And it even works in a pinch when someone wow. takes a nasty beefy dump <laughs> as an air freshener. Was that two puns in one? I need Susie Batiz to reach out to me now. Reach out, Susie. She's really cool. She lives in a... She converted an old church into a house. Okay. It's really fucking cool, actually. <laughs> like, so her house is very open, mm-hmm. but it's an old church. And it's, like, in the middle of, like, on, like, a main street. And it's her house, but it's cool as shit. Interesting. Mind you, that doesn't just mean that there's only one toilet. That also means one shower. Yep. Which, just imagine the smells going on in that place. Because they're all working outside, getting sweaty and gross. And then we have kids who are literally rolling in dirt as we watched. (laughs) Just imagine the dirt and the filth and the smells times 55. (laughs) Yeesh. So, oh, this is where I have it written. Um, We already talked about it. But this is when Nathan Bates talks about the sewage Mm. tank is full. Yeah. Part is broken. They can't empty it until it gets fixed. So, anyway. So, but then also on that note, think of the smell inside the bus. Because when you have a full tank, it is seeping. Yeah. It doesn't smell great. <laughs> the smells happening in the whole vicinity has got to be fucking rank. So now Michelle says something in a talking head that literally made me laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. Just think back for a second to last week's deep dive. And then I challenge you to try to keep a straight face while Cannon says that. Says this. I'm sorry. Um. She says, quote, there are some times in our life that we have to learn to be a gracious receiver. 
Gil and Kelly have demonstrated that beautifully because they usually are the ones that are giving. They're just fucking rich because we all know that they have been on the receiving end a whole lot. Yeah, no kidding. And I understand he only told select stories, but the one story we did hear that he gave, he didn't really want to do it. (laughs) So it's just funny that she's just like, oh, you know, sometimes you just have to receive. I think they know a thing or two about receiving. Oh, yeah. It's fucking rich. Like, I love that she followed this up after last deep dive because it gives us so much context of Mm -hmm. why you're just like, okay. Yeah. Kelly explains how they've been working on the house in shifts with some people working at night so they can keep it going. Anna kind of shows off the room where she and Pest are sleeping, which is the room that is attached to the one functional bathroom in the house. So they have to sleep with the door open and people come in and out all night long to use the bathroom. God. Let's put the pregnant lady in the worst spot that you can in the house. I mean, they're probably thinking, oh, put her by the bathroom. In case she needs it. But it doesn't matter if there's a line of six people all night long. <laughs> God, it sucks. I would just go pop a squat at that point. Jesus. <laughs> so Anna is talking about traveling pregnant being different than traveling not pregnant. Wild, right? You know, crazy. <laughs> and that she's trying to do her exercises and be good about taking her prenatal vitamins. Because remember, as Pess says, she's a master at swallowing. <laughs> remember that? Pest going past. And then she goes to show off her vitamins and Tim finally gets to see the iconic moment as Anna pulls out her Joshy girl purse. <laughs> Please tell me you noticed this. I did. Okay. I'm like, you haven't, you're not sitting there with a reaction. So I was like, did he don't notice this? Awful. I mean, as if Joshy girl isn't bad enough as it is, it's a denim skirt purse. Yep. <laughs> it just could it just there's layers there's so many layers here yeah. oh man it's just too much for me to handle so this is what i was referring to tim in the q a episode where i said that when someone asked like what was i most looking forward to in the upcoming season i was like well it's not like a it's not like a big plot thing you right know? but this was it because in a weird way it's like even though there's not this big engaging scene it's not like the engage engagement scene or Mm -hmm. the wedding where it's like oh my god but it's not momentous yes but it's iconic in its own weird little way Mm -hmm. so this was it i feel like this is anticlimactic i was hoping you'd have a bigger response to this (laughs) this is fucking i rewound it and went back i think part of it was this episode was admittedly a little boring so it's like as things were coming up i found myself just kind of like just kind of watching you know what i mean because like you said it's kind of just an episode of like people watching other people do stuff and then later on them watching other people do stuff you know yeah it is so i saw the purse i re- i rewound it so i could see what it actually said cuz at first i was like oh is that like an actual like bot purse and i was like oh it is not it is not okay. <laughs> yeah. joshy girl are you upset that i don't have a timmy girl purse um would mine be like pants though it sucks that we it, they'd be Dickies shorts <laughs> because of yours. <laughs> because I wear I used to wear a lot of Dickies shorts. Yeah, uh, mine would be leggings if it were to be what I'm wearing. Because she's wearing a denim skirt for me, yep. it would be like I need like a leggings purse that say yeah. Timmy Girl. Exactly. <laughs> Can't remember the last time I put on something that didn't have like a stretchy waistband. <laughs> 
So Anna talks about how she's started the Bradley birth classes, which is what we saw what we saw Michelle and Jim Bob attend. But it, their class had that extra layer of uh, creepiness, if you remember, with our teacher Teresa. Yep. With the whole like cervical soft knee. Yep. And you know that was just like so she was teaching Bradley method, and then she just had her extra layer of fucking creep. Well, I mean, that was also the episode where Jim Bob was practicing his tight 10, you know. Yeah. He was he was performing. Yeah. He was the life of the party during that class. Because what did she say? He's a cut-up? Wasn't she cut like, up, he, yeah. Jim Bob's a real cut-up. Yeah. <laughs> so Anna is taking those classes, too, and she's doing her exercises with Pest while at the bait. So we get to see Anna on all fours. Uh, was it like cat and cowing? We get to see that, like, yep. in the, you know, she's cat and cow all over the place. Yep. So my friend, she actually does the Bradley method. She's had three babies. Mm. Or no, four. Fuck. How many kids does she have? Oh, my God. Hang on a second. Three. Yes, she's had three. <laughs> I lose count of other people's kids. I'm like, it's just, I'm like, you have one. It's a lot. Um, So she does it. And I remember when I told her that the Duggars did it. She was like, I hate that I have something in common with them. <laughs> I'll never forget her. She was like, oh, damn it. I do that. <laughs> so now we see the bathroom getting closer to being done. The tile is setting and the two-tone doors are in place. <laughs> Tori Bates is right. It looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it does not. But they... it's functional. That's all they need right now. <laughs> um, if we hadn't already heard from John David, we would have gotten a square for simple Joe talking. Right. Because he says that he was working till 5 a.m. and that he went to sleep at 9 a.m. and woke up at noon. Mm-hmm. So they got some crazy sleep schedules happening yeah. here with all these people. But at least, you know, if you think about it this way, at least the morning shits are hitting at different times. <laughs> you know, his is at noon. Right. Like 1230. The rest of them, some of them might be, you know, having the morning shit at nine. Yep. It only makes sense when you're sharing one toilet. Got to spread it out there. So they're supposed to be pouring a slab on this day, but the truck is hours late, which is setting them behind. The Wilsons have a very strict deadline of when they need to leave. So it puts them behind. They're wondering like, okay, because that puts them behind with setting up the walls and they need to wait at least 24 hours, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm -hmm. So they're worried that this is going to set them behind to a point where they're going to have to leave. Before they can do some major stuff. Correct. Luckily, though, they end up showing up that day. So they still get there to pour the slab in the same day. So now they're just hours behind instead of a day behind. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was kind of a funny little part at the end where, like, Clark says, they sent the wrong caller. I ordered pink. And he says it kind of, like, dry. Mm-hmm. And then Jason in his talking head, because he's getting talking heads for the first time, he yep. was like, Mr. Wilson said that they sent the wrong color and that they sent it. Be- he was joking or like he was yep. just joking. That's such a good joke. I feel like it's such a like solid, not cringy dad joke. And he says it very straight too. He's like, sent mm-hmm. the wrong color. I ordered pink. I ordered pink. And then he walked. And yeah. then he did the victory walk when you, <laughs> when you throw down a good punchline. Yeah. Jason loved it. That's all that really matters. One out of... Well, me and Jason are in the same boat because that was a good joke. So, you know, if there's 55 people, minus Clark, because he made the joke, out of 54, one of them them enjoyed it. Yep. So, you know, either way, it's good. 
And that's kind of it for the episode. That's pretty much it. Yep. Watching people watch other people yep. do shit. There was one scene where they it was a nondescript uh, Bates girl was sweeping the floor and continuing I our theme. I think it might have been. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Continuing our theme of horrifically dirty uh, flooring. She had like socks on, like white socks. The bottom half was gray. So. Like, to be fair, when I did not notice the socks, which is shocking because I'm so in tune with this, I do remember going, oh, my God, to the amount of shit she was sweeping, sweeping. up. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm going to give a little, gr- you know, grace, give <laughs> some grace. Which grandkid is that? <laughs> um, it's actually uh, John David's. I uh, figured it was going to um, be a grace somewhere in there. So I, I was like, I'm going to give a little grace because it's a construction site. They're literally like tearing off the front half of the house and sides mm-hmm. of the house while they're still living in it. So there's Correct. actually a point where they're cutting off like the side of a house for like something and there's clothes hanging on the other side. Yeah, they they were putting a window in <laughs> yeah. because that room in the back they were it was something like it was an add-on for where their laundry's being done, but there's literally no windows to the outside. So there this whole time it's like I kind of get it when you're slicing off the front half of your house and doing mm-hmm. construction, you're still living in it. There's going to be a little dirt. So I give a little grace to this uh, dirty socked moment. Homegirl socks were real dirty. But the Nesquik uh, mop from last week, there's no <laughs> excuses. Oh, man. Shout out to Nesquik. Should be an ad. I know. Think of all the things. We need Dots pretzels, poopery. poopery. Um, <laughs> what else? Ace hardware, because I talked about how I love their air filters. The best <laughs> air filters on the planet for the best price. The makers of that peeler. Yes, the peeler. Think of <laughs> old world Christmas. Yeah. These people are missing out. Um, a gold mine here. I'm going to have to cold email some people. I'm going to be like, hey, Susie, we talked about your fucking poop spray a lot today. Yeah, you got to practice your elevator pitch yep. getting them on board. All right. Other than socks, I think that's all I have. Kind of a weird episode. Yeah. A little, little bland. little fillery. Yeah. And... I have a question for you about the deep dive before we start the deep dive once we okay. get into it. So, All right. Yep. Yeah, we'll see you in a bit. So today we're going to be diving a little into the Wilson family since we have seen a lot of them these last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, since they weren't really in the public eye, background information is a little bit more sparse. If you... Right. But normally I'd like to give a little bit of a background on the couple's upbringing, but there isn't really anything to pull from here. Mm-hmm. So here's what we've got. So Clark served in the National Guard at some point and also attended seminary and became a minister. And as we saw, he worked in construction for many years of his life. And it also looked like he was a gunsmith in later years as well. Okay. Just doing the math based off them saying how many years they'd been married, it looks like Clark and his wife, Denise, married somewhere around 1981. Okay. I couldn't find much detail on Denise, but I do know that she and Clark moved to the family farm that she she grew up on in Magnolia, Mississippi, where they had dairy goats and chickens. As we saw in the episode, the Clarks have nine children. They loved playing music together and had a family band that consisted of them playing the guitar, bass, banjo, fiddle, 
mandolin, dobro, and of course vocals. Okay. As our house's resident like musician, I've never heard the term dobro before. So peeling back the curtains, we looked it up. It's like a, a resonator guitar. I thought he'd know. I expected more out of you. I've never heard of dobro before. Well, now we know. <laughs> they traveled often to play for various church congregations, as well as being involved in prison and nursing home ministry, all together as a family. Okay. From the looks of their family blog, traveling and spending time with other families, while helping them with construction projects, didn't really seem too out of the ordinary at all. Mm-hmm. Although the Bates project was markedly larger. Even so, no project was quite as big as building the Tater Tot Mansion. If you remember back to early episodes, Clark played a huge part in helping the Duggars build their home. Wasn't it that like they weren't going to finish, so they brought him in to kind of help finish within the right time? Well, yeah. So in last week's episode, Lego Hair said that Wilson, the Wilson family had come to their area for a year and a half and helped them do the initial work on their house, mm-hmm. getting the main structure up. And then, of course, what you're talking about, what we saw was Clark coming back towards the end to help them with finishing projects. Right. So he was there for twice, oh, basically. Okay. Big, huge chunk in the beginning and then a little bit at the end. So details of that initial year and a half of them helping the Duggars build their house is a little bit fuzzy. It's been said that the whole Wilson family was living with the Duggars during that time in that small Johnson Road house we saw in those early specials. Mm -hmm. But I can't say with complete confidence if this is true or not. It's just been said, but I can't confirm it as like a reputable source. Part of me thinks that that's nuts because... That's a really long time to have so many people all shoved together mm-hmm. under one roof when it's not a temporary vacation type thing. Right. But then this whole other part of me thinks that it's very possible that they would do something <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. What I find most likely, and this is just me guessing, so you know, there's no fact here by any means, but maybe the whole Wilson family came like, and being there was kind of like an intermittent thing, and maybe Clark was there with some of the older boys... Yeah. And then maybe Denise and some of the other younger kids kind of came and went. It just seems like a long time to be away from home. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like, is it really doable that they stayed there that entire year that, and a yeah. half? That seems like a really long time. It's a long time. But I mean, they they homeschool their kids. So yes, you're not in your own like home space, but it's not like, well, we can't leave because so-and-so has to go to school. Yeah, they don't have these super <laughs> obligations. Yeah. But also, it does look like they're connected to some Arkansas addresses. Okay. So it's also possible that they their stay with the Duggars was a temporary thing while they found some place to stay in the area while they helped them. Right. So these are all options. Either way, they did clearly spend a lot of time in Arkansas because on their family blog which the posts are largely written by their two oldest daughters, Mm -hmm. they have referred to Arkansas as their, quote, second home state. Okay. So it's a little murky, but clearly they spend a lot of time in Arkansas either way. It has been mentioned several times that Clark served as the Duggars minister, some of which we will hear later, but I think it's safe to assume that he served as the minister of their home church during this time period of helping build their home. Okay. In fact, Jim Bob even mentioned in an evidentiary hearing for Josh's case that Josh was counseled by both Jim Holt and Clark Wilson back in the day. 
So as I'm doing deep dives, I often come across other information to use in future deep dives that I kind of just jot down for use at a later time. Mm -hmm. This next story is something that I just remember randomly coming across. And I knew that when I was covering the Clarks, I needed to like seek it out again. Or the Wilsons. Oh, yeah. You said the Clarks. <laughs> it's so, but you know what it is? is I, I found myself doing that anyway because Clark is such a last name to me. Mm. Like, I hear Clark as more of a last name than a first name. Oh, interesting. No, you've never heard it as a, as a last name? I've heard it as both. I don't really hear Clark as a first name in my life. I'm sure other people have, but like mm. the Wilsons. Um, What about Mr. Kent? That's Superman. Yeah. Back when uh, Dean Cain was there, that was my age. that was my yep. age when he was the uh... yeah him and Terry Hatcher was he yes she when she was Lois Lane oh I tuned in every fucking Friday <laughs> was it Friday I feel like it was Friday or Saturday oh, I tuned in man <laughs> so um, in a May two thousand nine good catch though good job in a May two thousand nine ATI newsletter there's a small story about the Wilsons and their van. And I, yes, I am going to regale you all with yet another van saga. <laughs> There's so many van stories. I know. It's like they're <laughs> van land. <laughs> After finding the original ATI newsletter containing the story, I researched a little further and ended up finding an interview that Clark did for ATI, where he also told the story again, but in greater detail. So as I retell this, I'm going to be kind of combining the interview and the article all in one. Okay. So Clark talks about a time years ago when all of his kids were extremely excited to attend the annual ATI conference at Big Sandy. Mm -hmm. They'd been talking back and forth with the Duggar kids, and everybody was really excited to see each other again. Because as we know, when you're an IBLP kid, this is like the social event of the year. (laughs) Of the season. It is your one outfit, you know, like yeah. outlet to be able to associate with other mm-hmm. kids and it'd be okay. Like, well, that's what I thought about them building this add on. I'm like, all three of these families' kids are just excited to play with kids that they're not related to. Yeah. And it'd be <laughs> totally fine without like side eye right. or, you know. So, about two weeks before the conference, his wife, Denise, starts checking in with him, kind of asking him, like, are they going to be able to go? Are all of their financials in order? Like, are they in a place that they're able to do this? And she asked him what the Lord was telling him about the conference. And then Clark has to tell her that the Lord was telling him that the Lord wanted them to go, but that they wouldn't be going. Damn. She understandably is confused by this. He pulled the rug right out from underneath her. He was like, well, the Lord says yes, but no. <laughs> Very conflicting. Yeah. So she's confused by this and says, like, well, if the Lord wants us to go, then we're going to go. And he repeats to her again, the Lord wants them to, but they won't. Despite this message, they continue to prepare for the trip. Their financial situation actually worked out pretty well that year. And they end up loading up on a Monday morning to begin their travels, intending to arrive a day early before the conference begins. Okay. But Clark said that he knew this was not going to be a normal trip. What do you know? An hour into driving, their van begins to overheat. Okay. They are able to limp it back home, and Clark said that he took this as a sign that he gave it his best shot, 
but that they wouldn't be going to the conference. His kids were still very eager to go, and actually his own father-in-law still really wanted them. He was encouraging he's like to them to still try to make this happen. Okay. So his father-in-law and his kids ended up working on the van and installing an entirely new cooling system. Clark didn't work on it himself, but he did let them do it. Okay. With a new cooling system in place, they set out again the next morning. This time, they end up making it about halfway before the transmission begins to slip in their van. Van drama. <laughs> so Clark turns around and they begin traveling back home. So not only was he praying the entire time that they would make it home and not get stranded on the side of the road with nine kids in a trailer, mm-hmm. but he was also praying about the next steps he would take once they got home. So apparently he had a brother-in-law that also had nine children, so they also had a large van, mm-hmm. and he just kind of was thinking about how when we get home, he's probably going to offer up his van for us to take so that we could still be able to make the trip. Mm-hmm. But Clark said that God was telling him he was not supposed to take their van. When they're about an hour from home, he shares with Denise that he thinks it's likely that that brother-in-law will make that offer and that they shouldn't take it. Like, he's Mm -hmm. being told not to take it. And she says that they should because of how disappointed the kids were. And he's just like, nope, God says no. (laughs) So fast forward two days. So they get home. They just kind of start to go back to their regular everyday lives. Mm. They've got a they only have the one car and it's totally broken down. He goes back to normal work. He says that nobody really likes him. He even says like even the dog doesn't like me right now or whatever. Okay. And so now it's Thursday and Clark receives a phone call from the institute. So initially in the conversation, he kind of gets excited thinking that they might offer to buy him a new transition for the van. Mhm. But instead, they told Clark that they wanted him to come to Big Sandy and pick up a van that they had for him. They had shared their story with the congregation, and they were able to raise funds to purchase it for them. So the next day, on Friday, they paid to fly Clark and Denise to Big Sandy to pick up their van and attend the last few sessions of the conference. Wow. Kids got the total shaft. I but... was going to say, the kids didn't get to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the ATI newsletter, there's a photo of the van inside the auditorium with the caption that reads, quote, the audience of more than 2,000 cheered as the van was driven into the auditorium, (laughs) along with a quote from Clark that says, quote, we are grateful not only for the beautiful van and how it meets our needs so perfectly, but also for the testimony to our extended family and to the community. People are amazed at why a group of homeschoolers would give us a vehicle. We are delighted to explain ATI and the biblical principles behind it. <laughs> Another story, right? You know? <laughs> yep. Now, I, I remembered the gist of this story from seeing it in the newsletter previously, like I said. But, you know, I got those added details from the mm-hmm. interview. What I didn't realize, though, when I first started researching this was that this lines up so perfectly with the episodes that we're watching right now. I had no idea. Because apparently it was just two weeks later after receiving that van that they travel with the Duggars to do the remodel at the Bates. Damn, it's right there. So that van that we see them arriving in when they, you know, get out and they do mm-hmm. the handshake and there's the battle of the uh, the phone belt the clip. phone belt clips mm-hmm. and they get on the Duggar bus to be able to 
surprise the Bates. That van is the van. Oh, okay. Wow. And that had just happened. <laughs> so it's like I knew the story and I was like, oh shit, I had no idea that the it episode was, I planned mm-hmm. to talk about it was the same time. Wow. So we've seen the van. We have seen the van. So now I'm going to transition into talking about Clark's health. The first I can find of any talks of it is back in an August 2014 post on their family blog. They said for about a year, Clark had been suffering from chronic neck and shoulder pain that resulted in him losing use of both of his arms. Damn. An MRI revealed a mass at the base of his neck, which was removed, biopsied, and proved malignant. Damn. They also found that the mass had eaten away at two of his vertebrae in his neck. That'll be the pain. That'll cause some pain. Yeah. And that waiting just another three weeks or so could have easily resulted in quadriplegia. Jeez. So he underwent radiation for several months and was able to regain use of his arms. All seemed to be well for a while until another blog post a year later in August of 2015. Clark had begun having pain in his legs where they ended up finding lesions, but they were still kind of trying to determine the root cause of it all. Mm -hmm. During all of this, Clark went to throw something one day while he was working, and in doing so, he broke his upper right arm. In fact, they said, quote, it actually twisted the bone in half. So it have to be operated to be reset. Holy shit. Um, and then a week or so later, they updated that it was a form of multiple myeloma. When you said he threw something while working, I was like, damn, how hard did he throw? And then you're like, oh, oh yeah. that, that explains That twisted it. his bone, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I found it also worth noting that it was around this time of the arm break and the finding the lesions that a family friend ended up sending up a GoFundMe for him, which is very typical, especially here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pest, he shared the GoFundMe link on his social media. But of course, he did it where you don't just share the link. You share it in a way that shows how much you donated. <laughs> of course. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you can donate and just share a link. And then there's mm-hmm. like the, let me show. Like, he shared it so that it would show that he had donated $500. <laughs> Because, you know, he got to make sure the people know. Well, yeah. Yeah. But there's a couple side notes with this. First of all, Pest posting about his $500 donation was about two days before the news broke that he'd spent over $1,000 on his Ashley Madison accounts. Damn. So you'll spend a thousand over $1,000 to cheat on your wife. But, you know, half that for the man who was a figure in your life who helped build your family home. But, right. you know, whatever. Got it. Second side note is that over the course of the GoFundMe that ran for literal years, it only shows 198 donors and $18,000 raised, which I actually thought seemed kind of low when you consider the number of large families and people that they know. Yeah, yeah. All the travel that they did, the conferences. Mm -hmm. It's like, obviously, I know that not every single person is going to donate, And, of course, there's also the possibility that people gave in other ways outside of the GoFundMe. Mm -hmm. But it still struck me as kind of a a fairly small number considering the community in which they come from and its size. But how many people in that group are like spend a lot of time on the computer or on social media or on, you know. They're monitoring to make sure, you know. (laughs) 
We got to monitor, yep. see what GoFundMes they're looking at. <laughs> I, did, does it seem low to you? 18,198? But I also feel like in that community. That's like four fucking families. <laughs> yeah. In their community, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to lean as hard into donating in that way. Yeah. Know? So after several more updates on the on their blog, which is we're very short and basically just like we don't have much of an update. Yeah. That that kind of went on for the next few months when in November they said that his type of cancer was extremely rare with only about 150 cases per year. Oh wow. So because of that, there's not a whole lot of information. There's not a lot of, there's not really this clear treatment path because it's not super common. Mm-hmm. And then just a couple weeks later after that, they found several more lesions, one of which was preventing that broken arm from healing properly. So he begins both radiation and chemo. The very last post ever written on their family blog was back on February 17th of 2016 where they excitedly report that Clark's treatment was going well. His latest bone scans had come back clear of any new lesions, Mm -hmm. and the existing ones seemed to be healing. He had regained use of his right arm, and he was finally able to get around without a wheelchair. He had just finished his chemo the day before and would now be moving on to a maintenance dosage. So things seemed to be looking up. Correct. So since the family, they stopped updating their blog, there is a large gap of time where I don't really know what was going on. I don't really know of any updates. But the one that I could find was on Clark's GoFundMe, which was in November of 2017. So a long time later, because it was February of 2016. Now we're looking at November 2017. Mm -hmm. In this update, they sadly share that the chemo has stopped working and Clark has been given two to three months to live. Mm. I get, I get choked up talking about anybody dying. It doesn't even matter. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, so he passes away at the age of 57 on January 18th of 2018 and was laid to rest in um, Denise's family cemetery, which I believe is on the farm that they live on. Okay. I just, like, I can't talk about somebody dying without being like, eh. Yeah. I asked Whitney about Mr. Wilson because I feel like there's been people on this that we've learned a lot more about on this podcast that I'm like, Oh, they, they seem a little endearing. And then you're always like, "Hmm." like you thought Pa Keller was going to (laughs) be. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, okay. So I, I think in all the times that we see Clark Wilson, he's, he just seems like a genuine person. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the facade that we see from like Lego hair and kind of, even to a smaller extent, like Gil Bates, I feel like that's not really there when they talk to him. And he's not getting like mass amounts of screen time. So it's not like it's a full depiction. Yes, yeah. But, yeah. but it's like every time they show him, he seems really authentic. And I was really hoping that like there wasn't like these awful skeletons in his closet, you know. Well, like Tim, sometimes he doesn't ask at all what I'm going to do for a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he asks and I refuse to tell him. Mm-hmm. Other times he asks and I just tell him the general. Yeah. The general topic and i was like we're going to talk about the wilsons and he was like oh please tell me clark is a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> like, he's like i really want to like him and i will say like even in the early ones do you remember like watching scenes of him like playing with the kids mm-hmm. and i was like you never see lego playing with the kids the way he was playing with the of kids course. 
Mm-hmm. Like, and that was back in the specials. Like, yep. I remember a very specific scene of him, like, sitting on a chair and he's, like, grabbing the boy from, like, behind him and he's kind of, like, flipping him onto the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, they all seem, like, really engaged, like, watching while he explains things. Mm-hmm. So, like, I told him, I'm like, here's the thing. I think as a person, he's probably a really kind. My vibe. Obviously, again, we don't know the fucking guy. Right. So, to me, he does come off as, like, a kind, genuine person. Mm-hmm. But there is a part we'll get to later where. I think all of them in the circle are complicit in a certain way, which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. So backtracking for just a second, you know how I said there's this length of time where we didn't really know anything between early 2016 and late 2017? Mm -hmm. Well, that interview with ATI where we got more details of the van story was in 2017. It doesn't say the month. We just know the year. Okay. And given when these conferences usually take place, I'm making an assumption that it was late spring to early summer that it took place. So that interview was roughly six to eight months, maybe nine months before he passed. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just kind of realized that that now realizing hindsight that I didn't know that during that is like when he was in the thick of it with like his sickness and stuff. So now we're going to focus on Clark and Denise's third child, Jacob, who was referred to as jake Mm -hmm. jake was once rumored to be courting Jana, but that's not surprising because basically any guy within like a six-year age gap older younger you know like age (laughs) range you know whether six years older younger whatever and stood within like six feet of her at any given point (laughs) became the subject of a courtship rumor so he's not he's not special in that regard it's kind of par for the course Mm-hmm. If you're near Jana and a male, there's a rumor. So Jake cleared this up by saying, quote, so yeah, I just want to say that this is total bunk. Whoa, whoa, language, young man. <laughs> we are not in a relationship, in all caps. LOL. We've been friends for 21 years, and all of a sudden, bam, we just happen to be in the same picture. So of course, the media has to make up a story about it to sell. So I'm here to clear the water. It ain't true. He, he don't has, care about IBLP royalty. It is bunk. Bunk. <laughs> I'm going to start calling shit bunk. Potty mouth. <laughs> I know. It's oh, funny. Jake, uh, his love of music, obviously, from stems from the family. They're very musical. His love of music ran deep, and he enjoyed writing songs and playing his guitar often sharing his music on his social media, both the official recordings and the casual ones just playing in his truck and with friends and family. Okay. Jake, along with a number of his siblings, seem to have left IBLP and its teachings behind. But I will say, Denise appears to be quite the cheerleader mom despite this. Okay. Even in Jake's photos where he's smoking a cigar or singing a song about going to bed drunk off whiskey again, you would see her in the comments telling him what a great son he is and how talented he was. <laughs> so while we know that parents should love and support you, even if you make different decisions than them, <laughs> um, we've seen how in this community that's not always the case. Mm-mm. So it's kind of this weird thing where when you do see it, it feels surprising, which is right. sad, but mm-hmm. it's the truth. Like You're like, oh, somebody that's okay with their kid doing their own thing, you know? Right. So Jake was also seemingly not shy about anything, and he posted a lot of things, some of which I find highly problematic. Okay. 
Not that that is in any way surprising because just because you leave IBLP does not mean you believe you leave like the bigotry behind. Correct. Like yeah. you can leave that exact structure, but there's a, lo- a lot of times there's going to be some lingering shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. So he said some very homophobic things. And when questioned about his word choice, he seems to just double down harder. Of course. You know, things like that. Um, but Jake ends up getting his girlfriend pregnant and she gave birth to their son in December of 2020. Okay. And uh, just some other stuff that he's posted that I was like, oh, yeesh. So he was very much the type that anything having to do with masking during COVID, he called you a commie. He was just <laughs> uh, that type. Yeah. And so he even wrote like a review for the clinic. So think about it. If his son was born in December of 2020, when you're tr- the t- the time period of which he'd be trying to find out the gender would be in the thick of it right oh yeah so he wrote a review on this clinic about calling them commies because we were trying to get in there and do this and they wouldn't do blah 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 blah. i'm like it was one of the places were like shut down and shit like that yeah and he was like calling this place is run by communists oh, my so gosh. he's got that that flavor going R- where right and he would like sing songs about like wearing a mask and you're a commie and blah blah Mm. blah blah. so that's the flavor we're working with i think we get it i think we get the picture (laughs) just off of that so she gives birth to their son in december of 2020 and it's unclear exactly when they broke up but by april of 2021 jake was singing and posting songs online discussing their breakup about missing her and their son and and that was the one where he talks about like I made mistakes and I'm going to bed drunk, blah, 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 stuff like that. Ah, okay. So either way, even though it's unclear, either way, they didn't last too long after the birth. (laughs) If he's already, you know, by April. Mm -hmm. Following Pest's arrest, Jake posted a video online basically ripping into Jim Bob. I remember when this video initially came out and I found it interesting even at the time, but... I just feel like as you dig into this whole fundy IBLP universe even more, (laughs) even the stuff that you already knew becomes more interesting later on when you revisit it with so much more depth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, It just takes on more meaning in in a weird way. Yeah. So you can't access this video anymore, but luckily a Reddit user, do you think people, do you think Reddit users want to know their, do you think they want their name said or not? I don't know. I always go back and forth with that. I'm like, do I say their name right now? I don't know. I have no idea. We got to make a call. Do I say it? No? I don't know. A Reddit user. Do you want me to say it? Let me know. But um, <laughs> like, I don't know. Because some people really use it as like, I don't want to be talked about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, anyways. So a Reddit user posted the transcripts in the comments of a thread at the time that this was all happening. So I'm oh. super grateful because now we have this transcript, even though. Correct. The video no longer exists. Yeah. So, mind you, I remember being glued to what he was saying. But I also remember feeling kind of sad for him. Because he seemed possibly drunk. And he actually came across drunk in a lot of his videos. Mm-hmm. And, um, or just off in some way. Like, just, okay. there, you just got an air of like, ooh, something's not quite, mm-hmm. quite right. So, let's get into the transcript. He says, all right. I've got another rant. Going to piss a lot of people off, but I don't really care. Also, quit looking at my face. What the fuck? Me and my younger brother got in a fight and I got my face busted. I won, but that's just what happens. 
We're cool now. Like, there's no hard feelings. So quit worrying about it. Damn. He never actually addresses the reason for the fight, but it's just kind of an odd choice to decide to immediately record a video after having a fight. Like, he was, like, visibly, like, this just happened. So full transparency for the next part. I'm cutting out parts where he sort of repeats himself and trails off and, you know, just to keep it moving. But it does not change the context at all. And everything I say is still his own words. Then he says, I grew up in the whole IBLP, HEI, Bill Gothard thing. First off, I want to say that Bill Gothard belongs in hell. Bill Gothard is a pedophile. I've known that since I was eight years old and I had a counseling session with him and I felt really creeped out just being around him. Bill Gothard is a bad dude. He says all the right things and somehow he makes a lot of people believe him. But he's a creep. He's a pedophile. He's a pervert. And he uses the Bible to cover himself. That, IBLP, it's a fucking scam. They want your money. Bill Gothard wants your money. More than that, he wants your children, which is creepy, but it's true. Sometimes drunk people say the truest shit, though. You know what I mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. I grew up with the Duggar family. I know them very well. They're not all bad. Most of them are really good people. I get mad sometimes when I see people hating on them. On the whole family. You can't lump a whole family together. Most of the Duggars are amazing people, but Josh Duggar is not. Josh Duggar is a pedophile. Josh Duggar is a pervert. I've known that for years. We've all known that. Yeesh. Hmm. And you, Jim Bob, yes, I'm talking to you, and I know you're going to see this. I know that you're not going to like it, because I was kind of like your son for a while. But you need to quit taking up for Josh, okay? You quit paying for his lawyer fees. You don't need to take up for Josh. You know he's a pervert. You know you covered up for him. Years ago, when all this stuff went down, I was there, and then his voice starts to break. My dad was your pastor. You gotta cut this shit out. Josh deserves what's coming for him. He's a pedophile. He's a pervert. He's got kids, and he had videos and pictures of other kids that are his kid's age. That's not okay. Your family name isn't worth it, which is interesting. Josh has got to have, which is just saying that, like, you're covering for something that's, like, it's not worth covering for anymore. Yeah. Josh has got to have what he has coming. I know all the shit, and I'm telling you right now, he's got to fucking pay for it, man. Pisses me off. I know it's hard on your family, and I love your family. Y'all have done tons of stuff for my family. Y'all have always been there, but you can't, you can't fucking take up for a pedophile. You can't fucking protect a pedophile. Once you go there, there's no going back. And you know what the Bible says about that? Then he says, it's better for a millstone to be tied around his neck and be thrown to the depths of the sea. So don't protect him. Let him rot. Let whatever happens to him happen. Save yourself. Don't stand up for him. You know he's guilty. I know you know that. I'm not stupid. I know y'all's family too well. And I know you too well. I'm talking to you, Jim Bob, and I'm talking to you, Josh, if you see this. There's no excuse for that. Wow. Very pointed. No, yeah. So I give him props for coming out and saying it so pointedly and without... He was mincing no words. Yeah. 
And his emotion behind it all, I think, speaks speaks volumes to how things like this have such a like a bigger impact on people around than I think some people think about sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, the victims are at the very top of, you know, top of all of this. But the effects go far and wide. Right. Like, you can feel the pain. Even just reading that, you can feel, like, the pain mm-hmm. that he has just knowing that this was done by someone that he was close to at some point mm-hmm. and is now being supported and covered up by someone who was a figure in his life. Right. And at you know at some point as well and he spent a lot of time with i just think it it makes you look back and reevaluate a lot of things you thought to be true at some point yeah and that's hard and comes with its own set of emotions it's like every people that are affected by these there's different emotions to process but they're at the same time they're all they have their similarities and their differences but it's it just affects a lot of people Mm mm-hmm and also, he got really choked up at that part where he says, you know, he's a pervert. You know, you covered up for him. Years ago, when all that stuff went down, I was there. My dad was your pastor. Mm-hmm. So this is what I was referring to earlier when I said it would come up again about Clark being their pastor. This timeline of them being there for that first year and a half with the building of their house. Mm-hmm. Clark being their pastor and Lego saying that Clark was one of the initial people to counsel Josh alongside yeah. Jim Holt. So that whole timeline lines up to it initially coming to a head. That whole thing coming to a head where they called the Holtz over and everything. Right. That all seems to be all taking place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Damn. So it is likely that he's like, we all know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like He's like, I was in your house. I was around right. when this was happening. So the pest arrest took place on April 29th of 2021. Tim and I were eating German food. Uh, mm-hmm. listening. Was his name Marlin or Merlin? The guy that was playing the accordion. I think it was Marlin. So we're li- we're eating German food, listening to a nice chap, Marlin, playing accordion at yeah. this German restaurant. Mm-hmm. So that was April twenty ninth, twenty twenty one, and I want to say that that video of Jake was like, I think it was like mid May ish, okay, maybe early May, but I think it was more mid May, um, something like that. Mm-hmm. So sometime following that, it's not clear exactly when, Jake moved to Hawaii, and it's been said that he'd lived there previously and then moved back home, and then now, after his breakup, he was moving back. I do think it's plausible, because even right now, one of his brothers lives there. Okay. And even in some throwback pictures, um, because, you know, Clark passed away in 2018, Mm -hmm. throwback pictures that his wife has posted since then show Clark wearing a Kauai shirt. And yes, he could have just been a tourist or whatever, but it all just kind of tracks that that's a place he went to for a reason. You know what I mean? Like previously. Yeah. Um, So anyway, on September 6th of 2021, Jake sadly passed away in a motorcycle accident. They think that speed was likely a factor and that he took a right-hand curve too fast, went across the center line, and he ended up hitting a fence on the other side. He was ejected from the bike, and he was not wearing a helmet. Mm. He was pronounced dead, and um, he was Kawhi's first traffic-related fatality for 2021. Holy shit. So they, I, I specifically read that the year prior. By that point, they'd had six. So in September of 21, he was their first. Wow. Yeah. Um, I just want to say really quick that this hit... 
a little bit harder because I just had a previous coworker, good friend. We mm-hmm. haven't, you know, been as close over the years because you, you move on, you move away. She moved hours away. Mm-hmm. But um, probably a month and a half ago, I had a friend whose husband also died in a motorcycle accident, also not wearing a helmet. Mm-hmm. So seeing the pain she's going through yeah, just in her post every day, like, dealing with it, I'm like, fuck people, please just wear your helmet. <laughs> like, yeah. So I was, like, reading this. I'm like, man, this just happened. Like, mm-hmm. it's close to home because it just happened to someone. That I know, so right. wear your fucking helmet. Yep. So Jake was just 25 years old, and his son wasn't even a year old, year old yet when he passed. So this family um, has definitely experienced a lot of death and tragedy, which is very sad. Yeah. Worth noting that the GoFundMe that was started to help with the funeral costs, including the added cost of transporting his body back to Mississippi to be able to bury him alongside his father... Well, for that at on that GoFundMe, Jim Bob Duggar donated five hundred dollars. Wow. Some of the written tributes to Jake after his passing included mention of him fighting uphill battles and having suffered a lot. Some of the things between things said in tributes, people's conversations with him that I've seen people talk about, and he was in his own music. They kind of paint a picture that seemed to be that he was struggling with sobriety, mm-hmm. which I feel for anybody going through period but i also i really hate how once again people like jim bob can donate their 500 bucks and then use him as a cautionary tale to fit their story of control and authority right. mm-hmm. like look he stepped out on his home on you know like all, out on his own underneath the umbrella and look what yeah. happened to him mm-hmm. or i feel like in the mind of someone like lego it it allows him to dismiss what jake said about him those months earlier even more yeah like it's easier to write off what he said is bullshit if you think they're a sinner and an addict you know correct even though um everything he said was absolutely fucking true Mm -hmm. and on point and clearly jim bob would never take it in any way he would never take that on and do some form of self-evaluation like he's not that person but now it gives himself even more of a reason not to because in his in his head it's like well look who it's coming from yeah look at this fucking kid you know mm-hmm. like oh, okay like he's got something to say worth you know right it's just, i just hate that it gives like these people fucking cuz they don't just look at tragedy and struggle as like they look at it as a way to be like, see, this is oh. what happens to you. Instead of just like an unfortunate thing in life, it's like, look what the fuck they, this is what happens when you don't do it exactly like this. Right, right. I hate that shit. Yeah. So this next portion, we will be rehashing some stuff from all the way back in episode three. But I do think it's worth discussing again as it pertains to specifically the Wilson family. And for the people who haven't just done just like a full binge, Mm -hmm. for the rest of us, it's been over a year since we've discussed this. (laughs) So we're taking it back to the character letters written to the judge by Josh's friends and family ahead of his sentencing in May of 2022. Right. Anna mentions the Wilsons specifically in her letter. Anna says, Four years ago, one of our good friends, Clark Wilson, passed away from cancer at the age of 57. Joshua took it upon himself to financially support his widow, Denise, and the children they still have living at home. 
For the past four years, Josh has quietly and faithfully, I'm surprised she didn't say diligent, (laughs) um, quietly and faithfully made significant financial contributions to meet their needs. This was not because we have excess income, but because Joshua has a compassionate heart and he is willing to make personal sacrifices for the benefit of others. I remember that letter. It's a real flashback, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, Anna's letter wasn't the only one to mention this, though. So did David Waller, because of course he would. Mm-hmm. He's Josh's biggest fan. Yeah. He builds decks the week of Christmas. <laughs> yep. What's not to love? And even the diarrhea queen, do you remember her? Oh, my God. <laughs> even the diarrhea queen herself mentioned it in her letter, because apparently <laughs> her husband, so I guess the diarrhea king. There you um, go. He was Denise's financial advisor, so he knew of this support situation. So she mentions it as well. All these letters to Judge Brooks were dated like March 7th, March 8th, maybe even the 10th. But they were well before his sentencing set for May 25th. Then, on May 24th, just a mere one day before the hearing, a letter rolls in from Denise Wilson. The last minute... Uh, timing of it is a little suspect, right? Yeah. And here is what she said. Your Honor, my name is Denise Wilson, and I am a friend of Josh Duggar. I first met Josh when he was nine years old. Him and his family were very outgoing and friendly to all of us. We got to know the family even better when my husband became the Duggar family pastor. My husband counseled Josh as Josh yearned to better himself in any way he could. Josh led our singing at times and was eager to do so. He was always finding ways to encourage others. Josh was serving, outgoing, and friendly while constantly seeking to help others of all ages. We continue to grow even closer to Josh as my husband and I spent time on a daily basis in him and Anna's home for over a year, which I'm kind of curious about. What was that? Because this is, you know what I mean? Yeah. What were you doing at Josh and Anna's so, (laughs) so much, you know, I'm just very curious what they were doing. I was impressed with Josh's eagerness to learn and to work. He joyfully served, offering words of encouragement to everyone and being lighthearted. Josh has a heart of giving, serving, and blessing others. Josh gave us a nice trailer for our family music ministry, even putting our family's name on it. It's like Gil getting his truck with his name on it. <laughs> I thought God gave that trailer to them. Oh, I'm sorry. Back it up. Um, I That's was what you sh- do with trailers. <laughs> I was shocked and delighted at how professional and beautiful it was. An example of his joyful and giving heart. Josh remained to remained to same. Oh, I don't know. Josh remained to same in giving, serving, blessing. I don't understand that. Do you get that? Josh remained to same? Maybe the same? He sa- It says two. Okay. Um, in giving, serving, blessing, being authentic, and humble at all times. Oh, Josh humble, huh? Oh, yeah. Despite all that he had been through, he continued to be all of these things and more. I saw Josh as a loving husband to Anna, respecting her and serving her and cheating on her. Uh, Uh, I saw his devotion to his children by paying attention to their needs and encouraging them to live right. Sweeping up crackers. Yep. 
I saw the way he honored his parents and the way he treated them with respect. The two biggest things to me was after my husband got sick and was not able to work for close to four years. We had traveled back to Arkansas to work with the Duggars, and Josh was right there helping my husband to do whatever needed to be done. After the Lord took my husband to heaven, Josh and his family traveled several hours for his service to be there for me and my nine children. It's acting like people coming to a funeral is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like she's just, how, what, how many things can I say, you know? Yeah. Well, way in the beginning, talking about how her husband counseled Josh when he was trying to be better is burying the fucking lead. Let's yeah, be real. Yeah, we're not talking about what like, really he was counseling him about. Yeah, Josh wasn't coming and being like, yo, I want to learn how to do this better. Or like, that wasn't the case. Yes. like he Buried it, the lead real hard. Yep. Josh told me he and Anna were going to support me and my family monthly to keep up my finances. When he told me how much it would be, I was shocked. It was a gracious amount. Josh acted as if it were just a natural thing to do. He told me, quote, We're just doing what the Bible says. To have pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. That is exactly what Josh and Anna did for me. They were there for me and have been there for me these past four years. I have been abundantly blessed and the Lord has sustained me through their generosity. My most recent time in Arkansas, I needed something checked on my car before traveling back home, so I stopped stopped by their shop. Josh was incredibly busy, but he came out anyway and fixed what was needed without charging me. This was a huge blessing. Because it would just come out of his two grand anyway, so what's the difference? <laughs> Recently, Anna called crying, saying that they were not able to do this now because of their situation, despite how much they wanted to continue to support me. I explained that they have been an extraordinary act of love and generosity to me, and I know the Lord will continue to provide for me as he promised. I'm truly grateful for the love and support they gave for four years, and I know they will be blessed because of it. I could share many more stories, but I wanted to express what Josh has been there, that Josh has been there for my family and me. He's continued to demonstrate his humble, accountable, accountable, yeesh, ooh, and servant's heart whenever and wherever he can. I will forever be grateful for the Duggar family. Blessings and thank you for your time, Janice Wilson. Now, I just recently went back and listened to the episode when uh, when his sentencing was coming up. And you and I were speaking about these letters during the, you know during that episode. And I think you alluded to the fact that later on she wrote a letter and the the idea consensus is that this was kind of with Anna, like pushing her. Yes. You specifically Which, yeah. said under kind of under pressure from Anna is what the is what the rumor mill says because of the timing and because of the fact that when this first bunch of letters went through, you would assume that she would be willing to do it right away and she was not. Yes. And then all of a sudden this letter appears. Yep. So I know we didn't get, we did not read that letter last time. It was all very like, we just like referenced it. And I think we talked about some of the aftermath, like what her kids said, which I'll get to in a second. Mm -hmm. But I talked about it in a very brief kind of a bridge, pulling a couple sentences here and there way. We're going to die. So now because we're actually talking about the Wilsons, we're diving into this as a whole. (laughs) So 
Kind of like Jake, uh, once again, the Clark kids were not afraid to speak their minds. On the day of the sentencing, their daughter, Lana, said, quote, The Duggars have been some of the kindest, most generous friends my family and I have ever known. Josh, individually, has proven himself to be a predator and a pervert and someone utterly deserving of the sentence he received. I understand that some of the Duggars and their friends, including my mother, have been deceived into thinking that he is somehow innocent and wrongly accused. Right. Or that if he is guilty, he is repentant and committed to recovery or whatever the case may be. I don't pretend to understand their pain and confusion in going through this, but I do know that I can love someone and still disagree with them. Mm -hmm. And I do absolutely disagree with anyone who has asked for leniency in this case. Damn. Over and over in the Bible, we are called to defend the innocent, to protect the children, speak for the voiceless, fight for the ones who can't fight for themselves. I believe that glossing over the children who are horribly victimized and in asking for leniency based on a few good things the perpetrator may have done, we are in fact doing the opposite. I don't want to argue with, with or condone or condemn anyone. But I had to go on the record as saying I'm glad the leniency was not shown. And I pray that justice will always be served in every in instance where innocent children are wronged. So that was from Lana. And her sister Allison shared her post and she just she said, I stand here as well. Then their other daughter, Rachel, said, quote, In light of my mother's letter to the judge in Josh Duggar's case, I want to make it very clear that I do not agree with their requests for leniency. Damn. To the best of my knowledge, he did support my mother these past four years. I left home just a few months after my father died, so I was never a recipient of that money. Giving someone money does not make someone a good person. Mm. And that seems to be a concept a lot of people are struggling with right now. Evil people do good things probably more often than good people do. And that is exactly what Josh was doing. Wow. Working to make sure he looked like the perfect Christian man to everyone around him. And thanks to the obscene levels of brainwashing, he succeeded with hundreds of people. I believe that he deserves every minute of his sentence and more. And I am pleased that the judge did his job with this case. As for the rest of the Duggar children, they are good people who do not deserve any aspect of what they're going through right now. And I hope that they're all able to find peace, healing, and closure with the conclusion of this case. So I love Rachel's emphasis on how a good deed doesn't necessarily make him a good mm -hmm. person. And that bad people do things like this all the time as a sort of mask. A cover. To yeah, fool people. It's a smokescreen. Exactly. I just love that she specifically mm -hmm. pointed that out. She didn't just separate herself. Like separating herself anyway and saying, I don't condone, yeah. you know, I'm not with this is one thing. Yeah. But she like was like, nope. There's a lot of mustard on the way she put a lot oh, of those yeah. things. And, and I, I do like the fact that they they all seem to agree that like it's not them as a family. It's the people that covered and the person that did the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all of them seem to reiterate the fact that like. That this I isn't a thing against Ginger. This isn't a thing <laughs> against. um. Jackson, this is yeah. this is Josh and the people who covered up, which yeah. yeah, which we talked about that in that original episode 
too was we were like what's more what's more believable that somebody good makes a mistake or that somebody bad does no, good it, things to cover i think there's this it is people don't want to believe it's easier yeah, that's to believe it was yeah. it, people it's easier to believe a good person can do something bad than it is to accept the fact that bad people can do good things because i think it scares the it scares the shit out of people. Yeah, because you don't know how to read it. Exactly. Yeah. Because you can be like, oh, they just made a really big mistake. Be like, oh my god, they're a fucking piece of shit, and they're just. I, right. I thought they were nice. Right. That's scary because you start to doubt your own. You start to doubt everything around you. It's so, like whenever something happens when they're like interviewing neighbors of somebody who did some heinous act. It's always like, well, they seemed like such a nice person. Whenever I talk to them, it's still that same idea of like, I don't know if i believe the fact that they did this because they were nice when i saw them getting their mail you know what i mean yeah well think of all the serial killers where they're like mm -hmm. oh well he was a clown for kids and he did kids parties oh, and God. he and i was his co-worker and he was so yeah. nice to me and i did that you know mm -hmm. there's a comedian that has a bit and i don't remember who it is but it's like one of these days i want them to talk to like the completely believing it neighbor where they were like did you oh, know yeah. that so did you know that so and so kept uh, you know somebody in the basement. They're like, "Oh yeah, I could have seen that coming." Homie was weird, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually the best you get was like, "Well, he was kind of quiet and kept to himself," but they're right. not like he was a fucking freak, like yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So I just really think that Rachel she hit it out of the park with her statement. Yeah, like she really mm -hmm. she made a point. And uh, I'll give one final one, and it's from Rachel's husband James. And I did cut a little bit of it for, like, time's sake, but content is still the same. So, he said, quote, News coverage of Josh Duggar's sentencing today revealed that my mother-in-law, under the manipulation of Anna Duggar. So, I do remember that I talked about his mm -hmm. because of this one line, but I don't think I read the whole thing. Um, under the manipulation of Anna Duggar, wrote a letter to the judge asking for leniency in the sentencing of Josh Josh's child pornography case. Neither I nor my wife knew that she was planning to do so, and I feel that our position should be made abundantly clear. My wife and I are in no way in favor of leniency or mercy towards any pedophile. Status as a family member, former friendship, past good deeds, nor any other factors should be of consideration when dealing with such. We disavow the letter that was written by the aforementioned family member, and find any defense of such person reprehensible. <laughs> he yeah. really goes in. Mm -hmm. um, what awaits Josh Duggar in hell will be 10,000 times worse than anything a federal judge can come up with. Damn. That is Christian Get speak for... <laughs> like, that is like the ultimate. <laughs> yeah. So the Clark kids, they came out guns blazing. Yes, they did. The Wilson eh. kids. Oh my God, I did it again. <laughs> Uh, damn Clark kids. Damn I it. I mean, technically, they are Clark's kids. That's true. So, Oh, my God. I can't. St <laughs> it's such a last name to me. That's why. Yeah. So the Wilson kids <laughs> came out guns blazing and made their stance very clear. And I give them credit for doing so because being so direct in addressing their mother, too. They didn't just say. Yeah. They could have. They could have just said. We don't agree with anything Josh is happening. We're glad that sentencing went the way they did. But they specifically said, hey, we know our mom did this. Mm -hmm. We don't agree, even though she's our mom. Right. Because you know that that had to be, like, hard and awkward. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
but I think it's good that they did. Yeah. And I, I, I just kind of, I do wonder how Denise feels. I wonder if she's just like, if that like crushed her or if there's a sense of relief because they're saying what she wished she could say. Right. Like, I do wonder what she's thinking underneath it all. Yeah. And it's also like how, if Clark was the one that was counseling Josh during that time, how much does she know? The whole thing, because this is where it takes it back to what I was saying earlier. He's complicit in a way. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I don't know him as a full person. He seemed nice, but we don't know, you know, or whatever. But they are all complicit in the fact that they knew this information and people didn't take it to the authorities. There's an entire group of people. It's all the people Mm -hmm. in this congregation. It's all the adults in their circle that knew that, but we see it a lot where it's like, well, we're just going to handle it ourselves. Mm-hmm. You handle it like I told you how I recently found out about some mm-hmm. a form of abuse that happened within the church, mm-hmm. and when they went to the bishop about it, it was, well, we're gonna have them apologize, right? Because that makes everything better. Like we're six years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's this is something we see that it's just like we'll handle yeah. it in house. Correct. We're not gonna take it to the authorities. And that's not the proper way to handle it. Yeah. This is why things escalate. This is why Josh ended up the way Josh didn't get put in his place. Mm-hmm. He didn't get what he needed. And I'm not saying, you know, sometimes people keep perpetrating regardless. But the the bottom line is, if you did nothing, you can't say you tried. That's true. You can't say that mm-hmm. we did our best because you didn't. Yeah. You tried to hide it. Yeah. Because that was more important to you. Keeping it under wraps and keeping it within this circle meant more to you than actually getting him the help he needs, getting the victims the help they need. Mm -hmm. None of that mattered to you. No. It's more important to keep it quiet and in the circle. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of it's motivated by them not wanting to look bad. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the victims or, like you said, you know, solving a problem or getting people help. It's about them not wanting to look bad. And re- and that's one of the major through lines of this whole group is not talking to people outside because you don't want it to make your family look bad. If they can't talk to them just in general on the streets as just like a person to person, they sure as shit can't talk to them about real problems. Yeah, no kidding. Like that's just dangerous. You can't yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, And also when you think about it, the Wilson family... They only got as tied up into his sentencing as much as they did because of Clark's death. Right. Had Clark not passed away, they would have just been a number a number of the families that know mm-hmm. them and knew what was happening. Right. Um but because Josh was supporting her, they just got pulled in so much mm-hmm. more. So, I mean, not not that's not groundbreaking. It's just a thought that I had that I was like, oh yeah, this is only because of he's passed away. They could have just been one of the masses. Think yeah. of all the other families in the circle that were like, yeah, we knew something was going on, yeah. or but they just get kind of they fly under the radar. This is all because he he's passed away. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Also. I can imagine that if Jake had still been alive, can you imagine the video he would have posted? <laughs> I can't imagine he would have shied away from no. sharing his opinion on all of this. So yeah. I'm sure that would have been something to see mm-hmm. had he still been around. So, But yeah, that kind of sums up a little bit about the Wilson family and their links to the Duggar and Josh's case. Damn. Clark always seems so nice. He always had like a tool belt. He really rocked his- that look, I gotta say. 
the like the he had the pencil in his in his ear and he was always like drawing the like the whatever they were building. He know. had that type of tool belt and then where it goes up over his neck. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Where Yeah. It's almost like it's like a cross between a tool belt and a suspenders. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. he and I'm like he really uh he really owned that look. Yeah. Um so yeah, so that's the He seemed like a nice man. I wish he'd have done something about Josh. I agree a hundred percent. I feel like it's not as it's not as like first hand gross as like some of the stuff with Paul Keller. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, so Paul Keller's on a different level. A little bit better, yeah. you know. I, but but like I said, I don't think you're gonna find a person within this realm that's not complicit in some way. I think yeah. that's the part. I think that's sadly. I think that's par for the course. Mm-hmm. They're all, and then and they all benefit from this authority system. So yeah. it's like there's a, there's a level where if you're in it, there's there's something there. Yeah. No matter what think there and then there's like are you a jim bob are you a gill are mm-hmm. you a clerk like, you know right. it's almost like there's these pocket there's like these tiers of like where do you fall in this system right. of authority and abuse basically well they said one of the most fascinating things that i've discovered doing this podcast on the trailer for the documentary is that Every head of household is their own mini cult leader. And then they said in every household is an island. I remember that's yeah. but so the island thing is not something we've said but we've said, but we've said many times that it's a it's a cult within a cult. Yeah. How many times have we said that? Mm-hmm. Every single man becomes a cult leader of his own family who's under right. this umbrella cult. Right. Because that's the way the system's set up. You're here mm-hmm. to you're the authority. And then they say that he's under this authority. And Correct. the reason he's submitting to that authority, and I say submitting with air quotes, is because that authority system benefits him. Yep. It's not out of like the sheer uh, obedience. It's because it works out really well to be a man in this system. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like you can act like, oh, he's just being obedient. So, yeah, because it all fucking works out fine and dandy for him. Yep. It's because he basically gets a free-for-all to do whatever the fuck he wants. So then he's going to say, oh, I'm submitting to this. When in reality, right. he gets to set, he just sets his own fucking rules. Yeah. I mean, I tried that in this household. It didn't work on you, but Mildred thinks I'm great. So, yeah. She thinks I'm funny all the time. She submits to your leadership and authority? She, when, know, I'm, walking, when I'm walking towards the, the room where we feed her, she's... She's always available for food, Mildred. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, I'm glad he wasn't a complete tool bag. He was always wearing those tools. <laughs> he always had them on his hip. Yeah. Anyway, as always, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash diggingupthedug. We do have a friend with a famous name. Who is a member getting a shout out. Yep. And who is she? Barbara Walters from Ontario, Canada. Yeah, Barbara Walters. And just this week, a few days ago, actually, uh, Barbara told us that her um, she had some baby chicks being born. Is it ducks? Shit. It's ducks. Sorry. <laughs> ducks. Now I remember. Okay, so like being born and um, 18 had been born at that point. Oh and my I was gosh. like, and I was like, oh, and she said that like she, her sister made the joke of like, oh, they're not duggers, they're duckers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, well, if she has one more, she's on par with Michelle. And if she has two more, she beats her. I woke up early the next morning to a message that 
two more had been born. So now she'd surpassed Michelle mm-hmm. with her t- 20 ducklings. So I just said that somewhere in Arkansas, Michelle was fucking seething and she didn't know why. <laughs> but somebody else out there beat her. Like Yoda, she felt a disturbance in the force and she was like, I'm not sure why. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> So, yes, thank you, uh, Barbara, for your uh, duckling stories and for being a member and uh, pickle of the Pickle of the Month Club. Yeah. Congratulations on the little duckies. I've always wanted a little duck. I know. Tim talks about ducks a lot. We When, we're at, our, so damn when we at our townhouse, we lived in a golf course community. So there was like little mm-hmm. lake thing. I don't know, whatever you want to call them, that had Water ducks. Water hazards. And, and uh, there was cute little ducks and stuff. I was like, yeah. oh. Tim always wanted a duck. Always wanted a duck. Um, all right. You can send us a message at diggingupthedougars at gmail.com. You can enjoy our episode visuals and Mildred-related Mildred content on Instagram at diggingupthedougarspod. And, of course, if you'd like to send us some traditional mail, we do have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. Good luck watching uh, watching the first episode of that documentary. It's just one uh, episode that's coming no, out, right? Well, I think they're dropping all four at the same time, isn't it? Are they really? I think that's what they usually do on okay. Amazon. Okay. Yeah, all they right. usually drop all at once. All right. Well, listeners enjoy, and we'll we'll see you next week. We don't know what the hell we're doing next week, but I guess we'll see you. <laughs>